Good, good. Well, it's good to be with you uh, this morning, church. Uh, uh, last week I was sick, and so Pastor Stephanie uh, led us and, and did a great job. And then we had um, the the shoe the grow guy, guy, and I heard that that went really well. Um, and uh, and you didn't want to have what I had, and so it's good that I that I stayed away. But I uh, continue to pray for those that are dealing with that right now. I got a text this morning, um, and uh, and a reminder. That it's it's going around. So my hand sanitizer is in the front pew. No worries, right? But I learned, uh, and I've, I've continued to learn uh, more about myself. I think, uh, in, especially in those moments of sickness, uh, two years ago, I think, Pastor Stephanie and I told you that we were doing um, kind of this personality test thing. Um, it's kind of weird, but it's kind of uh, invasive, and it's one of those things that um, that really, like, like hits you like with an arrow. You think, oh, this goofy personality test. Nobody wants to take one of these. These are dumb. And then it tells you like your your greatest strengths and your greatest weaknesses and your tendencies. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's me uh, absolutely 100%, right? And it's one of those things. And I was labeled as the investigator on this little deal. And some of you are the same way. And so uh, one of my tendencies is to hoard knowledge. Not that I'm smart. That's that's different, right? Uh, it's to, just to consume and to hoard, to hoard knowledge. That's a that's a tendency, and I notice that that happens when I get sick because I watch endless YouTube videos. I will like fall asleep to YouTube videos, right? And so this last week when I was sick, I I did that same thing, and and uh, I ran across and was reminded of a guy um, named Wim Hof. Anybody ever heard of Wim Hof? He's absolutely crazy, and uh, you might want to Google him afterwards. Uh, but Wim Hof's a crazy guy. I think he's a he's German, or he's from somewhere uh, in that vicinity. Um, but he is uh, he is a literally um, uh, just insane. Like he holds like 21, 22 world records. He climbed Mount Everest with gym shorts on. Gym shorts, look it up, right? That's it, gym shorts, right? Like people die up there all the time, and this dude's running up the hill in gym shorts, right? He, he's just got the thing. He does a lot of stuff with cold things, and he talks about how it's great for your body to jump in into the frozen lake like this and, and do all that. And I stumbled across it. Now, this is a perfect timing in life. I don't know what was going on in my head, but I stumbled across this guy and started watching. He talks about all these health benefits, but I didn't care about the health uh, benefits. I cared about uh, something else. And one of his challenges was like the 30-day cold shower challenge. And that was the thing he was doing where every day you wake up and you just take a cold shower. And that like gets everything flowing and your endorphins and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't care about that. I just wanted to be awake, right? I wanted that to wake me up. All my life, I've told myself that I'm a night owl. Right? In college, I developed that pattern where 3 a.m. was an acceptable bedtime. Right? And I just lived that life. And I did that. And I just that's how it was. And so out of college, I did the same thing. And I'd be uh, doing print screen uh, T-shirts at 3 a.m. in the morning in our basement in Missouri. And it was just normal. That's what I did. And then I'd try to wake up in the morning, and that just wouldn't happen. Right? And so I could wake up for duck hunting every day, but not for normal life stuff. And I've always wanted to be a, an early morning guy. And so I said, I'm going to use this 
to help myself wake up so that I can do things like read and, and, and do different stuff without children because that when children come, they don't have time to do that kind of stuff because they're awake and stuff, but not at 5 a.m. in the morning. So I got my little chart. I made a little chart with my red Sharpie and I posted it on the, uh, on the, the cupboard door and every morning I wake up and I even slept on the couch, not because I was in trouble, but because I wanted to be uncomfortable right? And I'd set my alarm at 5 a.m. and I'd wake up and I'd take a cold shower and I'd scream because it's cold and I'd be awake and then I'd go along the day and it, and it, and it began to work, right? And I began to, to be awake and, and, and that, that 5 a.m. Uh, time period uh, until the kids woke up was like the most productive time uh, of my day and I would read leadership things and I started a business and I built websites all around the U.S. and I did all these things and and Pastor Stephanie uh, did this as well, and she's an achiever, and so she like has almost written a complete book at 5 a.m. in the morning because that's just what she does. And, and so we, we started to do this uh, to, together and to, and to live this way, and I began to notice that being uncomfortable wasn't necessarily a bad thing, Right? Being uncomfortable wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And so I began to live something that I've known in my head for a long time. But it's, it's this, it's a simple phrase. It's this idea that sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need right? Sometimes what I want is that extra hour of sleep or that extra three hours of sleep or whatever is not always what I need. That being uncomfortable brought me to good places and spaces in life if I was willing to step down that road. That what I, what I want, sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, in the next three weeks, we're, we're going to walk through um, some different passages of scripture where that looks at um, this idea of being uncomfortable. We all, all, every one of us likes to be comfortable, um, but as we look through scripture, we realize that God is a God that calls us out of our comfort zones in many different ways. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 14. Mark chapter 1 uh, is, a, is a passage of scripture in the beginning that you've probably heard in, in verse 14, but then it gets into a little bit of, uh, of obscurity, maybe Maybe something you haven't uh, heard preached on because it's kind of weird, um, but it, it shows us a couple different things uh, about life. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 14. Church, hear the word of the Lord this morning. It says this. It says, after John, which is John the Baptist, Mark is fast. I forgot to do the background. Mark's fast. He jumps right in. John the Baptist is on the scene. He's preparing the way for Jesus. John baptized Jesus. Jesus is then called into the wilderness. He comes back. We're then at this place. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. At verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I will send you to, out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets without delay. He called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men 
and followed him. Right, I read this passage because right here we, we see something. We see a pattern that is, has been created. I think maybe all of us have heard this idea of, 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 of this image of Jesus going and calling his disciples, right? He goes and he, he finds these first four disciples. He says, come follow me. And, and then there they are. But we see this pattern that Jesus has established of the way in which he calls people. Mark's fast. He uses those breathless statements like without delay. So I'm sure they had conversations. But in this instance, it's like, hey, like get out of the boat. Let's go. Right. And they do. And they follow him. But we, we see this intersection that Jesus has with these men. And in, in one case, their family. And we see Jesus come to them as they're working their job. Simon and his brother Andrew are at work. They're J-O-B. And they're doing what they do. Jesus comes. He calls them. They step away from their responsibility and they follow at once. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, they're at work with their dad, their boss, right? With daddy. And without delay, he called them and they left their father in the boat with their nets and the hired men, right? Right away, we see this pattern that, that, that right away Jesus is calling his disciples, the first followers of him, the followers of, uh, of Jesus in this day. He's calling them to, to, to be uncomfortable, right? Imagine if I showed up at your work tomorrow and I said, hey, let's go. Come on. Not lunchtime, not whatever. You'd be like, get out of here, you kooky preacher, right? You're like, what are you doing? Leave, right? Imagine you're a family business and right in front of your dad, right? And he comes and he says, come on, let's go. And you say, okay, and you just leave him there to do the work, right? This is, this is not a comfortable situation. This is no, there's nothing comfortable about this. Right away, we see this pattern that's, that's established and developed that God's calling in my life is going to lead me beyond my comfort zone. Right? God's calling in my life is going to lead me beyond my comfort zone. They are invited and we are invited to follow Jesus into new places and spaces and new life. And notice that Jesus doesn't stop, right? He doesn't say, okay, um, we're going we're gonna to discuss your pay now. Uh, you're going to get this much a, a month, and then you're going to get, uh, we've got really good health insurance here, right? So you're going to get this. And so I'll give you a week off so you can say goodbye to dad and find a replacement, right? That's not, that would be the comfortable route, right? Could we negotiate your salary and make sure you have everything you need so that you could come and be comfortable and follow me? But that's not present in our passage here. That this is a, this is a leading into uncomfortable things. Without delay, he called them and they left. I'm reminded that this is the situation in which we are in with Jesus. Jesus didn't come so that we could be comfortable. Right? Remember a couple weeks ago I told you Jesus didn't come and live and die and rise again so that he can make it to the top 10 of your, your priorities. Right? He, didn't make it, he didn't come and do all that so he could make it at number 8. Did he? He came so he could be number one, right? This is the way, come and follow me, not Jesus coming to follow you. And so right away, right off the bat, Jesus' first followers in this time, in this, in this period, his disciples here, we recognize that this is not about comfort. It leads beyond 
their comfort zone. Without delay, he called them and they left. I read a thing this, this uh, last week that talked about uh, maybe some alternative reasons that people followed uh, Jesus. Uh, one of them was food, and I found this very interesting, right? Like Jesus kind of had the food game down. You needed food. He wasn't going to send you to 7-Eleven. He provided it in in, in multiple situations. So some say that they followed so that they could could reap the benefits of the generosity uh, of the disciples. Remember, uh, many people are following him. One of my favorite passages is where uh, they they kind of crowd him at the shore and he gets on the boat. uh, So he has some distance, right? I I feel that sometimes, right? And so Jesus is there and and so he can provide that. so one of the way, reasons that some, alternative reasons that some people followed him was so they could have something to eat. And the next one was really interesting. Never thought about this before. Second reason was this idea of insurance, right? This guy is known to be a healer. He like spit in mud and rubbed it on the blind dude's eyes and he could see. Like, why wouldn't I follow him, Right? Like, if, I can, if I'm close to him, if I'm in proximity to him, and something goes on, then Jesus can heal me, right? It's like, this, it's like health insurance way back in the day. People are still worried about health insurance way back in the day. Think about that for a second, right? And so they would follow him, but, but recognize that these same people, in some instances, are the same people that Jesus turns to on multiple occasions and says, if you want to follow me, you must carry your cross. Right? If you want to follow me, I'm going to give you this image of you dying. You're here for security. You're here for food. You're here in case you get bit by a snake. But now I'm going to call you to a life that, that, that you sacrifice yourself. Right? And then the, love the, the instances where it says, many, many left that day. <laughs> right? like, like, no, dude, you're crazy. Absolutely not. I'm super uncomfortable with your language. But do you have any snacks before I leave? Right? So we have this, the, the, this, this instance where, where Jesus is calling these disciples, and it's not a comfortable situation. And so to step into my calling... And I'm not just talking about, like, when you grow up, you're going to be this. Like, I've got a lot of when I grow up, so I'm going to be this. I'm talking about the, the, the intersections that, that Jesus leads us to where we're confronted by God's love for us and where we choose to follow him. Those intersections, to step into my calling, that leading of Jesus, I must sacrifice my comfort. I must sacrifice my comfort, but I'll be honest, I really don't like that at all, right? I don't want to sacrifice my comfort. I just want everything. I want both. I want six-pack abs without sit-ups, right? And if I got to do sit-ups, it better only be six minutes a day, like the DVD, right? Like I want, I want, the, I want to be a millionaire without working too hard, and, and I want to be comfortable. I don't want to, to do, do too much. I, I want to be comfortable with life. I, I don't want to be uncomfortable. We, 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 this last year, we got a little Subaru, and you know what the little Subaru has for the first time in my life? Heated seats, baby. And they were on this morning. Even the passenger was on. There was nobody in there, but it was on just because we can, right? <laughs> we want to be comfortable. 
We want to be comfortable in life. And so as we continue, let's follow these disciples who are without a doubt uncomfortable in this situation, leaving everything behind, their responsibilities, their families, their everything. And we continue in verse 21. It says this, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Every time I've read this verse, I've buzzed right by that, uh, I can't even say it because I've been reading about the translations this week. Uh, Capri- How do you say it, Steph? Capernaum. I can't even say it today. Right? About this place, right? This is like a name of a city. This is like Boise. This is like Mountain Home. But unlike Mountain Home, this name actually means something. Mountain Home's deceiving, right? It's like mountain somewhat close in the vicinity home. Right? But this, this actually means something. This, this Capernaum, Capernaum means the village, and Naum means the comforter. This is the, the village of the comforter, right? So, so Jesus calls these disciples, and the first place that he takes them is this village of the comforter, uh, this, this home base for Jesus. I believe I've got a picture there, and this is like the marketing scheme of this place at the moment, right? This is like, this is like Jesus' town. This is his place. This is where his ministry is, is based out of. He's present in this place. He takes them to this place of the comforter, and he puts them in a very uncomfortable situation for all that's involved. Let's keep reading. So they're in this village. They go to the synagogue, and Jesus begins to preach. He's a, he's a guest preacher. Verse 22, And the people were amazed at his teaching. Basically, he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. It it turns out that they like this guest preacher, right? It's different. He's got authority. He's speaking with with authority. They're all present. He's got everybody hooked into what he's saying. All eyes on Jesus, right? This is the best guest preacher we've ever had. right? He's, He's amens are flying. Hashtags are going. Like, it's just good. And he's, he's there, he, he's present, he's, he's preaching, and, and, and then something happens that's uncomfortable. Now, I've been in some uncomfortable situations in church, right? Uh, maybe a couple years ago, we had a police chase in the building. Like somebody running from the police that ran through the building. It was awesome, very exciting, right? <laughs> And then uh, there's been some, like, there's been outbursts while preaching. There's been, you know, this, this different things. I've told you stories about my granny's church in Virginia. Somebody got the holy laughter, and that scared me to death. And, and there's just, there's some things that happen in church that, that make you a little bit uncomfortable. But this has never happened. Mark 1, verse 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was uh, possessed by an impure spirit cried out. Imagine all eyes on Jesus. He's teaching. He's, he's, he's sharing. Uh, he's, he's there. He's up front. Everybody's watching him. And out of the back comes this, this, this shriek, this crying out by this man that is in the, the, the synagogue. And right away, I want us to see that phrase, a man in their synagogue. Now, this is extremely uh, important to understand. You don't just stop by and visit the synagogue, right? That's just not, that's just not a normal thing. Remember, this is Jesus' like, home base. Like, he knows the, the synagogue, but you don't just stop by. This is not like a, you go to the synagogue once, once a year type thing. If you're, you're in the synagogue, that's your place of, of worship. That's where you are. 
You're present in that place. That's what you do. That's what you're, that's what you're called to. So this is not some visitor. This guy's not going to go attend the newcomer's lunch at the end of the month. All right? Like he's present. He's there. The, 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 he's, he's one. He's one that's in their synagogue. This gentleman's described as one who is, is possessed by an impure spirit. Or depending on your translation, he's an unclean spirit, an evil spirit, or he's deeply disturbed, or, or, or whatever you want to call it. It's clear that he's got a dysfunction. Something's not right. Something is happening in this situation that, that, is, that is not right. He was troubled. He was, he was possessed. And Jesus is teaching something. And this man cries out. And when he hears Jesus speak, it's like he can't contain it any longer. It's this, this burst forth of, of this, this possession, this spirit, this dysfunction that comes out of him, that is confronted. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 24, continuing. What, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth, the man says, or the spirit says? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook at the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. I love looking at the different translations of the words of the possessed man. One of them says, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What business do you have here with us, Jesus, Nazarene? Jesus was a Nazarene. Do you know that? I know what you're up to, right? Like, what what are you doing here? We're comfortable. Why don't you just back off and get out? Everything's all right, all right here in this situation. And whatever is in this man is called out of him by the words of Jesus. Be quiet. Be quiet and come out of him. There's this confrontation. There's this intersection and this unclean spirit, this dysfunction that was within this man had to come out when Jesus spoke. It had to come out when Jesus spoke and addressed it, and it did not go quietly. Very uncomfortable situation, right? This is, this is, this is church. You've got to be nice in church and stuff, and you can't have these outbursts and all these things going on. These intersections with Jesus are not always nice and packaged. Like when I think some of us and, and me included, when I think of those intersection with Jesus, I think of like some nice, clean, like at church on Sunday morning, we sing come as you are and you come to this altar thing and you have like an intersection with Jesus where you give your life to Jesus and it's nice and you're not too loud in church, right? Or whatever. It's like we, 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 we've come to think about these intersections in, in, in kind of nice, tidy ways. But that is not always reality, right? That is not always the case. That, that there are many instances where these intersections happen in the most unlikely of places. There, there are many instances where it's not as clean and, and as tidy as we think about it when it happens. We want our our Jesus intersections to be nice and comfortable, and I don't want to embarrass myself too much, but they're not always. I've learned that that some of these things and some of these these moments 
that we have are, are, are messy as can be. I've also learned that in life, the, the, the stuff that is in me, the, 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 the actions that I take or the sins that, that, that I've committed, these things don't always just come out in a nice way. Uh, and it's always a, a, a little prayer and then, then everything is peachy and great. Absolutely, there are times where I've found forgiveness for the dysfunction in my life. I found forgiveness and asked for forgiveness for the sin that, that is in my life, but it just didn't float off like I wanted it to, right? And it just didn't, didn't just disappear like, like I, I wanted it to. As we read the passage this morning, do me a favor, and I know some of us are already super freaked out by the possession thing, and we like want to run for the door, right? But don't let the possession language steer you clear from the real point of this. The real point is that Jesus has the authority. There is authority in this place, and there is power in his words, and there is no choice that when Jesus shows up, things must change, right? When Jesus shows up and those words come out of his mouth, things are going to be different. Come out, Jesus says, and confronted by Jesus, the dysfunction, the possession, the whatever you want to call it, is evicted. I think that, that there might be some things in our lives, and let me just rephrase it. I'll go to myself first before I go to you, because that's the nice thing to do. I don't want to make you too uncomfortable. I think there might be some things in my life and dysfunction in my life that, that are taking space in my heart and taking space in my mind and taking space in my relationship or in my family that I need Jesus to speak to today. To say the come out. I need the, the come out power of Jesus in, in my life. Now think about this for a second. This is, this is fascinating if the man was in their synagogue, if he's someone that lived the rhythms of the church, of the teachings of God, if he's someone that participated in the synagogue, tell me, just, just brainstorming, you're thinking out loud. How did this man sit and how long did this man sit in his dysfunction or in his possession or everywhere you want to call it this morning? How long was he in this place? How long did he live the rhythms of the, of the, of the church, of God's people in this situation? Tell me why was the man able to sit in the synagogue and the evil spirit was cool and then Jesus showed up and things were different. Was it one year or two years or three years or 15 years or 20 years? How long did he live the rhythms in this place and everything was comfortable? There was no shrieking. There was no sizzling on the floor like bacon. It was comfortable. How long did he, did he follow the, those patterns? And here's the reality. We still see today that when Jesus shows up, that there must be change. And so Jesus shows up, and there's nowhere for this dysfunction to hide anymore. Like the light has been shown. 
the light has been revealed and, and this dysfunction, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, and must be evicted. That when Jesus shows up, things must change again. Some things in our lives need to be confronted and they won't come up when we take that personal inventory. I said this morning, I, I remember youth retreats where our youth pastor would say, go, go out and I want you to, we'd have a lesson and then you'd get your little Bible study thing. And I want you to go and find a quiet place and, and think about these things. And I remember going to, uh, to, to find some place, usually probably close to a girl, Right, and I'd, I'd sit there, <laughs> right, and 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 I'd maybe spend a little time on this, and 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 I just think about all the things that I was doing wrong, right? Like I did this last week, and I broke my grandma's chandelier. She still doesn't know the day. She doesn't know, right? I I did. You know, I so you list down those things, right? Like that was the point of the exercise that I was going to get quiet before God, and I was going to allow uh, the Holy Spirit to to reveal those things to me. But what happened was it was a it was a self inventory. You ever done one of those? Right? Like, I did this and this and this, and I probably shouldn't say that anymore, and I need to ask for forgiveness for these things, and that's great. But what I've learned is there are some things that don't show up on the self-inventory, right? There's some things that we won't think about ever on our own because it's maybe too painful or it's just, just normal. And it's uncomfortable to think about those things. And so we, we stow them away. You ever notice that? Now, I'll speak for myself again because I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But there are times that where I am, unco- or I am comfortable in my brokenness. There are times where I am completely comfortable in my dysfunction. I am comfortable with the way things are. And as long as you don't rock the boat, everything's going to be all right. I'm comfortable with that habit that I run to in stress because I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm comfortable in that anger that I have towards that person because they deserve it. I'm comfortable in tearing others down around me because it makes me feel all right. Comfortable with that sin or with that thing that I've walked towards, that I've invested in, that I've given parts of myself to. Sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need. Sometimes what I want is not always what I need. And something incredibly scary happens when we become comfortable with our brokenness. When we become comfortable with the things in our life that, that, that are broken, when we co- become comfortable with the, the dysfunction or the sin, we lose the eyes and our hearts are hardened towards the Holy Spirit. And it becomes a normal part of my life. And when it becomes a normal part of my life, it's nothing to sit in church year after year or day after day and live the rhythms without the change. That's normal. That's what happens. Again, still speaking for myself. But maybe you feel the same. Maybe you've been there too. The taking notes and not taking action. 
or the rejection of the call to follow a different way or the complete ignoring of the Holy Spirit's preventative grace to leave you, lead you away from whatever that thing is. Sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need. Sometimes what I need is confrontation. Jesus is not here so that we can be comfortable. Jesus is here, and in this this instance of confrontation, we get that get-out authority of Jesus, that there are some things in our life that need to come out now in the name of Jesus that that we're just not going to find on the self-inventory. And we're not going to fix with YouTube videos or with self-help books. It's just not going to happen that we are at the mercy of God who, who is willing and ready to give the come out Jesus power. So as weird and as uncomfortable as these passages are of, uh, of, the, of the coming out of the dysfunction, the coming out of the Spirit in church and the shrieks and the, just the not normal stuff, that happens in the synagogue. This is an incredibly beautiful moment. These are markers of restoration. These are markers of changed life because that dude will never be the same. It just will never be the same. The come out power of Jesus has been enacted. The restoration of the words of Jesus have been unleashed in this place and it is not comfortable but it is good. Sometimes what I want is not always what I need. The band's going to come and play for us this morning a song that reminds us that, that God is here. A song that reminds us that the Father's arms are always open for us. That this might be, I remember talking to myself, but now I'll ask you, that there might be some things in life that have become normal and we're just comfortable with them, but they aren't bringing about good things. We think that we need them, but we don't. We think that they're all right because they're normal, but they're not. I think about those disciples that were in that uncomfortable situation that right before his dad he's got to jump out of the boat wondering if it could be possible that my comfort is keeping me from my calling right like is my comfort keeping me from that that invitation is my comfort keeping me from following Jesus at that intersection Because I don't know what that looks like to go down that way, but I do know what it looks like there. It's predictable, and it's easy, and it's present. But this is scary. Is my comfort keeping me from following Jesus? May we sincerely ask those questions today. Amen. Father's love, our arms are always open wide. Remember that city, that village, Capernaum, the village, but that's the translation, Capernaum, the village, right? The village of the comforter. Well, Jesus performed many miracles there, 20, 21, and, and the miracles weren't accepted. They were rejected every time. And this village comes up again in scripture, Matthew chapter 11, in a pretty 
rough place. It's a section where Jesus begins to denounce the towns in which he performed miracles in, and they did not repent. They did not turn. They did not change the directionality of their life. And he, he goes through a couple, and he gets to this place. Capernaum, the village of the comforter. He says, will you be lifted to the heaven? No. You will go down to Hades, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. That comfort of staying in the, the place that we are does not always lead to great places. Sometimes what I think I, I want, comfort is not always what I need. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to bring us to these intersections where we are are opened up to you. May you help us recognize those things that we've just become normal in our lives. Stuff that just has uh, flown under the radar or placed under the radar. And though we ask for your come out power in Jesus' name. Lord, would you, you do a work in us on this day? For we can't do it on our own. You are Lord, and we are not. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand for the benediction. Beloved, God's people, people in which he stepped from heaven to come and to die and to rise again for. You are loved. May you go from this place knowing that sometimes what you want is not always what you need. May you be open to God's movement in your life. Go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.